the Way City Church, located in Woodbridge, Virginia, is led by Pastor Marlon Yearwood and exists to reach the lost and disciple the believer. And today in the church world is known as Pentecost, Pentecost Sunday in the church world today. So Jesus has come. He's come and he's lived a perfect life on the earth. And he was tempted, as we know, in every way as we are, yet he was without sin. He's known as our great high priest who makes atonement for us. And he is a, a high priest, the Bible says, that empathizes with our weaknesses. He empathizes with our weaknesses. Why? Because he came in the flesh. He came as a man. And as I said, he was tempted in every way as we are, yet he was without sin. And he came to earth for one purpose, to redeem man. That's why he came here. You see, God gave authority to men, to Adam in the garden of Eden, to the first man, God gave him authority. And God gave Adam that authority, but Adam lost that authority when he disobeyed God and he chose to obey Satan. For the Bible tells us in Romans 6 and verse 16 that we are a slave to the one whom we obey. You can be a slave to sin leading to death or you can be a slave to obedience leading to life. So when Adam disobeyed God, he by default obeyed Satan. And he automatically forfeited his rights and he gave them up to Satan. And then Satan became the God, little g, God of this age. But the Bible tells us that you cannot serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and you will love the other. Or you will what? Be devoted to the one and you will despise the other. So Adam despised God when he obeyed Satan. So because God gave authority to this Adam, to this man in Genesis 1 and verse 28, and because God cannot violate his word, he then needed a better Adam, a better man, a second Adam, a righteous Adam to come and to restore to man that which he had lost. And Jesus was that man. Amen? Jesus was that man. He was God clothed in physical flesh. And yes, it's a, it's a great mystery. 1 Timothy 3 and verse 16 tells us, and without controversy, God was manifested in the flesh. He was justified in the spirit. He was seen by angels. He was preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and he was received up in glory. And it's a great mystery, 1 Timothy 3 tells us. So he came and he laid down his life willingly by death on a cross. But death could not hold him. I said, but death could not hold him. Romans 6.23 tells us, for the wages of sin is death. For the wages of sin, the, 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 the gift, the reward, the prize for sin is death. That's the payment for our sin is death. So then if Christ truly was without sin, then it would have been impossible for death to hold him. And praise God, death didn't 
because death couldn't. Death didn't hold him because death couldn't hold him because he was without sin. Therefore, death had no rights over him. In three days, we know Jesus, he rose again from the dead, proving to the world that he was who he said he was and that he had defeated Satan, sin and death. And that he had also restored back to man what man, the first Adam, had lost. Death was ultimately swallowed up by Christ's victory on the cross. So now, after the resurrection, Jesus appeared on the earth, we know, for 40 days. And he appeared and he showed himself to those who he chose to reveal himself to. And he appeared first to the women that followed him. Then he appeared to the apostles. And then the Bible says that he appeared to more than 500 people at one time. And finally, on day number 40, so Jesus, he died, he rose again, he came back to the earth for 40 days and showed himself to those who he chose to reveal himself to. And then finally, on day chapter 40, Jesus ascends to heaven and he remains until his second coming. And this is the account that we have in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 through 9. This is day number 40 right before Jesus ascends into heaven, Acts 1, 4 through 9, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them, those who he was with, his disciples, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Such a random question. And he said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Verse 8, but you shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, when he had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. The end. No, this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. So about 10 days after Jesus spoke these very words to his disciples, the spirit that he promised was fully revealed. A week and a half after he ascends, and he made this promise again, a week and a half later, the spirit that he promised was fully revealed. Jesus promised the, the, the Holy Spirit to those who, what? To those who believed in him. And he had much to say about the Holy Spirit. John 14, 16 and 17, Jesus promised the disciples all throughout the scriptures. He prepared them and he promised them that his spirit would come. But he was preparing them for this very day that he would leave. In John 14, 16 and 17, he says to his disciples, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, 
whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and he will be in you. And verse 18 says, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. John 14 verse 26, Jesus told them, he said, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. In John 16 and verse 7, Jesus spoke and he said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Spirit, the Helper, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. So Jesus says it is, it is better for, for me to go away and for the Spirit to be here than for me to be here and for the Spirit to be absent. Many say that they would have, have, have loved to have walked by the side of Jesus. Jesus says, better than me walking by your side is the Holy Spirit living within you. And that brings us to today. Pentecost. Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost. What is Pentecost? So there were, there were three major annual feasts or, or festivals that the Jewish people were required to attend. Specifically, the, the, the Jewish males were required to attend these three annual festivals. The first one was Passover, which you guys know, um, commemorated the, the final plague of Egypt when the firstborn of the Egyptians died and the Israelites were spared because they were obedient and, and uh, smeared the blood of the lamb over their doorposts. So the first annual feast they were required to attend was Passover. The second was Pentecost. Pentecost was also known as the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Harvest, or the Day of First Fruits. By the way, Jesus celebrated Passover the night before he was crucified with his disciples. He celebrated the Passover and then he was crucified the very next day and then 50 days from there we have this event which is Pentecost. So essentially Pentecost was a, was a harvest, it was a harvest celebration and the term weeks here was used of the period of grain harvest from the barley harvest to the wheat harvest and that was a period of about seven weeks. And they celebrated this every, every single year. Again, they celebrated Pentecost. And the Lord was always credited as the source and provider of rain and fertility. So they came together and they celebrated that. And they celebrated the Lord. It was also called again the day of first fruits. Because it marked the beginning of the time that people were to bring their offerings and their first fruits before the Lord. It was also celebrated as a Sabbath with rest from ordinary labors and it was a calling of a, of a holy convocation and then the third annual festival was the Day of Atonement which you won't get into today so then Pentecost Sunday in the book of Acts and today is a commemoration and celebration of the first fruits of the church which is the receiving of the Holy Spirit that's what Pentecost is. 
It's the, it's the first fruits today. In our context, it is the first fruits of the church, which is receiving the Holy Spirit. Matthew 3 and verse 11, John the Baptist, he prophesied of the first Pentecost when Jesus would come and baptize his people with the Holy Spirit and with fire. John the Baptist prophesied of this. So today I'm speaking to you about the first fruits of the church. The first fruits of the church, which is the Holy Spirit. From Passover to Pentecost, from, from death to life. The first fruits of the church. Let's bow our heads and pray again and be still in acknowledgement and, and reverence of the Spirit who is in our midst this morning. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence among us. We thank you that in Acts chapter 2, that was a Pentecost like no other Pentecost before it. We thank you for Psalm 46 and verse 10 that tells us to be still. Your word says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. Be still and know that I am God, your word tells us. We acknowledge you as God this morning in the stillness. May we be reminded that we are mankind, that we are man, woman, that we are created beings. And may we be reminded of our rightful place. And may you receive all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. The Holy Spirit is my best friend. The Holy Spirit is God's number one agent on the earth. God's number one agent on the earth is the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, the Spirit came and the Spirit remained. The Spirit came and the Spirit remained. Before in the Old Testament, we have so many examples, um, Samson being a perfect example. The Spirit would come and he would go. He would come and he would go. The Spirit would come upon and he would leave. Again, Samson being a perfect example. All throughout Judges, you'll see where the Bible says, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson and he. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson and he. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson and he. And then, and then finally, right before Samson died, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him again and he. 
So, so the Spirit on the day of Pentecost, he, he came and he remained. But before in the Old Testament, he would, he would visit us. He would, he, would, he would visit people. But in the New Testament, from this day moving forward, now he came to, to dwell and to live within and to be with us forever. Amen? And Jesus said and he promised that he will not leave us as orphans. You see, the disciples, they were worried and concerned when Jesus told them he was leaving. But he promised them, hey, you're not going to be alone. You're not going to be without guidance and direction. I'm not going to leave you alone, but I'm going to send you my spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the guardian, is a guardian of God's people. So now that you better understand Pentecost and, and what it was back then and what it is today, this morning I briefly want to show you just, just five, five things. I want to show you the Holy Spirit during the history of creation. I want to show you prophecy about God's Holy Spirit being poured out. Following that, I want to show you fulfilled prophecy about the Spirit when, when Jesus shows up, how he fulfilled prophecy. I then want to show you a promise of the Spirit that Jesus made specifically for you. And then finally, I want to show you the purpose of the Spirit manifested on the big day, which was Pentecost. So we're going from creation to prophecy, to fulfilled prophecy, to the promise to Pentecost. From creation to prophecy, to fulfilled prophecy, to the promise that Jesus made, to Pentecost. Let's begin, number one, the history of creation. The first time we ever see and hear of the Holy Spirit is right here in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2. Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1.2 says, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Hmm. The first time we see the Holy Spirit, the first time we read of the Holy Spirit, the first time we hear of the Holy Spirit, He's moving. And He's been moving ever since. In fact, He was, he was always moving. For He has always been. Amen? Sometimes when we uh, read Genesis chapter 1 and we read the creation story, uh, it's, it's tempting. It's tempting that we almost believe that like in the beginning, it's like God started there too. You know, God begins at Genesis 1.1. And it's like we, we forget that sometimes. That God did not begin with Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. You guys understand that, right? Yeah. That, so, so, so Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. But again, sometimes our minds, we just forget that. It's like this is, this is the beginning for us, not the beginning for him. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the first and the last. He's the beginning and the end. He has always been. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1 was when things began for us. It's when God, choose to, when God chose to create time. And if I had a, if I had a big uh, hula hoop here, I'll show you an example. But, but picture a, a hula hoop. 
So God created the hula hoop. And the hula hoop is creation. It is the universe. And God created it. And He sustains it. And He causes it to function. And we and everything lives within that hula hoop. Except God. God is not subject to, to, the, to the laws that we're subject to. He's made us subject to laws within that hula hoop. But He's not subject to any of them. He lives outside of the hula hoop because He made the hula hoop. You guys understand that? So Genesis chapter 1 was when God made the hula hoop. That's where things began for us, but not for Him. So the Holy Spirit is, is first revealed to us here in Genesis 1, and God wants us to know that He is moving. The Holy Spirit was present at creation, and I believe that He was the executor of God's Word. That's, that's who He was. When, when, when God spoke, the Holy Spirit made things to be so. God said, let there be light, and I believe the Holy Spirit moved and there was light. God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and the Holy Spirit moved. God said, let the waters be under the heavens, boom. Let the earth bring forth grass, boom. The Holy Spirit moves at the word of God. The Holy Spirit was not a spectator at creation. But I believe he was the executor of God's word. So we see the Holy Spirit here at creation. Let's see here now what the prophets have to say about the Holy Spirit. And we're going to hear from a, a famous biblical prophet here in Joel chapter 2, verses 28 and 29. Let's see what the prophets have to say about the Holy Spirit. Joel 2, 28 and 29. So the Holy Spirit is present at creation. Now we're going to see prophecy about God's Spirit being poured out. Number two. Joel 2, 28 and 29. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Joel, the prophet Joel, prophesied of Pentecost about 900 years before it happened. Joel had never seen anything like what he was speaking about. But he spoke of a day when, when, when God would pour out his spirit on all flesh. And Joel prophesied this again 900 years, about 900 years before, before the day 
of Pentecost. Joel, Joel would never see it. He would never see this day. But the Lord showed him what was to come. So only in a, in a spiritual sense did he know what would happen and did he see this. Joel 2 was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. Joel chapter 2. Number three, let me also show you how Jesus fulfilled a Holy Spirit prophecy. This is prophecy fulfilled by Jesus. Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. Luke 4 and verse 18. Jesus walks into the temple, the synagogue, on the Sabbath day, as he would sometimes. And he was going to read the scriptures, and they handed him the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 61. And in Luke 4:18, Jesus is in the synagogue, he's, he's in the temple. Um, and he is, he's reading, the, the scripture reading that day is Isaiah 61, and that's what he's reading right here in Luke 4.18. And it says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. So Luke 4.18 again is a quote from Isaiah 61. And Isaiah 61 was read in the temple many times. Many times they would read Isaiah 61 and different people would read Isaiah 61. But this day Jesus read it. And when Jesus read it, Jesus fulfilled it. Jesus fulfilled this prophecy. Jesus was, was the first one to whom the Spirit came and remained upon in Matthew chapter 3. Jesus was the first one in whom the Spirit came and remained upon him. We can see Matthew chapter 3 real quick. Let's turn to Matthew 3 and we can read it. By Matthew chapter 3, beginning at verse 13, this is where John baptizes Jesus. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he allowed him. Verse 16. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. 
And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. This is beautiful. We also see the, the, the Trinity here. You guys know the, the word Trinity itself is not mentioned in the Bible, but the Bible speaks of the Trinity all over, beginning in the book of Genesis. But right here we see, just a, just a side note, but right here we see Jesus in the water. And while Jesus is in the water, we see the Spirit descending upon him. And while the Spirit is descending upon him, we hear the Father saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So we see all three right there. At his baptism, we see Jesus, we see the Holy Spirit descending, and we hear the voice of the Father speaking. So suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The, the very next verse after Matthew 3.17 is Matthew 4.1. Then Jesus, Matthew 4.1, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. The Spirit filled Jesus, and then immediately the Spirit led him. I want you to understand that. The Spirit filled him, and then the Spirit led him. Immediately. The Lord desires to do exactly the same thing with us, with you and I. Fill us, and then lead us. Fill us, and lead us. Jesus also did no miracle, no sign, no wonder, until he was first filled with the Holy Spirit after his baptism. Jesus then goes on for the next three and a half years. His ministry was three and a half years. He goes on and he continues to walk in the fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 61. For three and a half years, he's walking in the fulfillment of that prophecy. And Jesus quotes it and he reads Isaiah 61 and Luke 4, 20 and 21 says this. After he, he reads Isaiah 61, Luke 4, 20, 21 tells us this. Then he closed the book and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today... This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. No one read that text like Jesus read that text. <laughs> when Jesus read that text, he was fulfilling it. He was fulfilling prophecy. And he said, today, in your setting, as you hear these words, I am fulfilling this very thing. And again, the next three and a half years of Jesus' ministry, he was fulfilling Isaiah chapter 61. He was fulfilling that. Which was what? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Right? I'm, 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 I'm opening the eyes of the blind. I'm healing the brokenhearted. All these things. His entire ministry was, was just that. Letting the oppressed go free. That's what Jesus' ministry was about. So that's what he did. So now it's go time for Jesus. He's been filled with the Holy Spirit. He's been tempted in the wilderness for 40 days by Satan. And now his ministry has begun. His ministry to preach, 
to heal and to set free those who are oppressed. Wow. It's go time now. Baptism filled with the Spirit. Let's go. So, now that Jesus has been filled with the Spirit, let's look at the promise that he made to you and to I. Number four. By the way, uh, if there is anyone who, who didn't need the Spirit of God or to be filled with the Spirit, it would have been Jesus. But Jesus, again, is, is leading us by example. He's, he's, he's showing us. And, and Jesus also, remember, he was 100% God, but he was 100% man. Right? And, and he's also showing us the need. The, the man part of Jesus needed the Holy Spirit. We, we need the Spirit of God. We need the Holy Spirit. And he fills us and he leads us. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So number four is the promise. This is the, the promise that Jesus made. John 14, 15 through 19. Jesus said to his disciples, again, I briefly mentioned this before, but he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. This is a promise. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. Somebody say, but I know him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. He's speaking to his disciples. And he says, you guys know the Spirit. He, he dwells with you, right? But he's in me. The Spirit's in me, and he dwells with you. But you're going to have a different kind of experience with the Spirit. And he's not only going to dwell with you, but I'm going to put him inside you, within you. Verse 18, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. I will come to you. And, and, and the greatest way that he's, that he's coming to us is through his spirit. They are one. They are three and they are one. And he's, and he's coming. He's saying, I'm coming. I'm, I'm going to come to you through the Holy Spirit a little while longer and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. That, that, that text is so, is so powerful. He's, he's speaking to his disciples. And he's saying, I will abide with you forever. And Jesus is speaking about, again, Pentecost. Here, right? The Spirit's going to come, the Spirit's going to remain on that day and then going forth. But this, this abiding forever begins at Pentecost, as I, as I keep on saying. And he's not leaving after Pentecost. 
He's saying, I, I am, and he's assuring them over and over and over and over again, I'm not, I'm not leaving you. And I want you guys to be assured of that. You know, David prayed, right? Like, you know, do not cast your spirit away from me. Don't, do not take me away from your spirit. Do not take your spirit away from me. He, he prayed that. For, for us as believers, we don't have to pray like that. Because his spirit remains upon us and we can be sure of that. Amen? So he says here, he says the, the world cannot receive him. Why? The, the world cannot receive him because, he says, it doesn't see him or know him. The, the world has, has, the world no longer has the ability to see Jesus after his ascension. Right? When Jesus walked on the earth for 33 years, they could see him. But the moment that Jesus ascended, the world no longer has the ability to see him. They could only see him when he walked on the earth. But, praise God, the believer still sees Jesus after his ascension. We still see him. The world can't see him because physically he's not here. But we as believers, we still see him. Because spiritually, he lives and he abides within us. That's why speaking to, to folks in the world, we're in, we're in two different, like, what we're speaking, we know what we're talking about. But what we're communicating to them, they cannot see. They, they can't see unless the Holy Spirit draws them and opens their eyes and allows His Word to penetrate their hearts. They can't see. But for us, we see, we see clearly. The work of the cross, the Bible says, is foolishness to those who are perishing. But for us who are being saved, it's the power of God. Like for us, it's like, man, this is like, it makes perfect sense. But the world's like, I, I just don't see it. So we get to, um, so we still, the believer still sees him after his ascension. Because his spirit lives within us. We, we see him almost as though he never left. For us. It really is incredible of, of how much of a great relationship Jesus allows us to have and allows me to have personally with him. And, and how clearly I can, I can see him even though I've never physically seen him. That's incredible for me. And I know for many of you in the room too, like, you see Jesus clearly, man. Like, even though you've never seen him physically, it's just like, man, I, I, I know him, right? I, I see him, right? And to be honest with you, like, seeing him, um, this is me personally, you know, seeing him physically in the flesh, for me personally, wouldn't change anything for me. That, that's just me personally. wouldn't change anything because I see him so clearly without ever having laid eyes upon his, his body. Selah. We see him. Jesus continues to promise. 
This is the promise of the Holy Spirit. Let's read the next chapter, John 15, 26. And we're going to read John 15, 26 through 16, through John 16 and verse 15. But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. These things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. John 16, verse 1. These things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things I have told you that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. But now I go away to him who sent me. And none of you asks me, where are you going? Verse 6, but because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, verse 7, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Amen. Now, finally, this is what it all boils down to. Can Jesus be trusted? Was his words true? Did he keep his promise? This is what it all boils down to all this talk of the Spirit today. Did he keep his promise? Well, today's the day. Fifty days have passed since the Passover and the crucifixion of the Lamb of the world. Jesus rose again for all to see. He speaks to his disciples for 40 days on the earth. Ten days after his ascension, it is the day, the day, the day that we've all been waiting for, Pentecost. Number five, finally, Pentecost, Acts chapter two, verses one through four. The coming of the Holy Spirit. And when we say the coming of the Holy Spirit, I think I've made it clear you today, but the Holy Spirit has always been. But this is the coming of the Holy Spirit to remain. Acts 2 verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, when the day of Pentecost had fully 
come, the day that we have been waiting for, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, a Pentecost like no other, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other, with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is the, the coming of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to be in the book of Acts soon, so when we get in the book of Acts, I'll read through Acts chapter 2, which we're not doing today. Um, but the Holy Spirit came. Acts chapter 2. Verses 1 through 4, and it came big. The Holy Spirit came, Jesus fulfilled his promise. Old Testament prophecies were fulfilled on that day, were fulfilled through Christ, and on that day it came big. What Jesus had promised, it came. The Spirit came. And there was no denying it, there was no doubting it. The Spirit was seen, the Spirit was heard, the Spirit was felt on that day. In John 21, 18 and 19, as I conclude here, Jesus tells Peter, and he says this, he says, most assuredly I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. The, the one who will gird you and carry you where you may not want to go is the Holy Spirit. Amen. Are you ready to be led by Him? To follow Him? Jesus told him, follow me. He said, one is going to take you and carry you where you don't want to go. We have too many, too many believers the Spirit fills us, the Spirit leads us. We have too many believers that are too interested in their own plans and their own will and their own ways. Jesus tells Peter, listen, the Spirit, when He comes upon you, He will take you to places. He will lead you to places where you don't want to go. This is not about the Holy Spirit being in agreement with you. So, so this, is, this is what he, he, is, he is saying to him. And, and on the day of Pentecost, I mean, we, we studied, you know, John 20, you know, and John 21 before online with our online videos. But we saw how Peter denied Jesus. But man, when he was filled with the Spirit of God, and we'll read this in the next few weeks in Acts 2, man, he, he, he preached. 
on that day of Pentecost. And 3,000 people were saved. He was, he was bold. He was bold. The same spirit that, that filled and led Jesus into the wilderness was the same spirit that led Jesus to the cross. I'm speaking about not going where we wish to go. The spirit led him into the wilderness. The same spirit led Jesus to the cross. And Jesus said, if it's possible for this cup to pass from me, nevertheless, let not my will, but your will be done. The spirit's leading. Now, the ultimate purpose of being filled with the Holy Spirit is for us to do God's will. The ultimate purpose for us being filled with the Holy Spirit is for us to do God's will, His purpose in our lives. With that power that has been bestowed upon us, that is the ultimate purpose. And a part of God's ultimate plan is what? That the lost be saved. That was what God was ultimately showing us on the day of Pentecost when 3,000 people came to know Him. The Holy Spirit came, 3,000 people were saved that day. The, the, the focus and the ultimate goal was, was not the speaking in tongues, even though that was a gift. And that is a gift, and it's a, and it's a great gift. And I honor that and believe in that and so, but but the ultimate goal for many folks the ultimate goal, goal of Pentecost is speaking in tongues the, the ultimate goal of Pentecost was not speaking in tongues that was, that was a part of what God used to draw the crowd but the ultimate goal was preaching and 3,000 people coming to know Jesus that was the ultimate goal and don't let anyone tell you anything different the grand finale of the day of Pentecost was 3,000 people getting saved. When the law was given, by the way, in contrast, the day that the law was given, 3,000 people died that day. But when the Spirit came, when the Holy Spirit came, 3,000 people were saved. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up, please. Praise the Lord. This mission, this mission of the Holy Spirit is to, is to continue. Right? It's to continue. The mission is to continue in the life of the believer until our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ returns. And that's why we started the Way City Church. Where, as you know, a brand new brand new church plant and that's why we started this church to reach people so that the mission will continue amen amen bow your heads father we thank you for your presence we thank you lord for your glory we thank you lord for your word we thank you for the day of pentecost like no other we thank you jesus we, we we thank you that your spirit has always been. We, we see the work of the Holy Spirit from creation. We see you moving and we see you at work. And, and we see you just fulfilling God's word. When God spoke and said, let there be, I believe, Lord, that you, 
Holy Spirit, that you made God's Word to be. We see the Old Testament prophets, they prophesied of this day, the day of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit, and then we see Jesus fulfilling prophecy. Then we see Jesus all throughout the Scriptures promising and preparing His disciples for this day, the day of Pentecost. And then ultimately we see that what Jesus promised actually took place on the day of Pentecost. His word was true, it came to pass. And the mission began as the church was birthed. Ah Lord, we love you, we bless you, we praise you, we magnify you, we glorify you. Father, thank you Lord for uh, the gospel, Lord, that was heard today through your coming, through your death, through your burial, through your resurrection. And Father, I just pray, Lord God Almighty, that if there is anyone in this room, anyone online, who needs to meet with you, who wants to commune with your spirit, who wants to be forgiven, Father, I pray that they would call upon you today. Because you promise that if they call upon you, you will answer and they will be saved. So may they call upon you, may they acknowledge their sin today, call upon you, and you are perfect in saving men and women and drawing them to yourself. We love you, Father, we bless you. We thank you for the Holy Spirit within the believers in order for us to continue the mission, the great commission that has been set before us. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. We'd love to hear from you. Visit us at thewaycitychurch.org.